I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, what's important to you when you uh, don't leave the house because of work and you uh, don't leave the house because your kids are over and you got to sit around taking care of them. And then when your kids aren't around, you actually got free time. Uh, you make plans with friends and they don't work out. So what becomes important to you? Well, getting out of the house becomes important to you. So I've been trying to lose weight and walk around a lot and uh, dieting. These are the things that I occupy my, my time with because uh, it gives me a sense of purpose and I don't feel like I'm living in a limbo and that I'm going slowly insane. Well, tonight I got to have an extra special night. It was like Christmas uh, in August where I uh, got to get together with a group of friends of mine. Uh, they're a group of brothers. I knew one in fifth grade and then all through junior high and high school and college. Uh, but he's got an older brother, and he's got two younger twin brothers. And uh, I became an honorary family member of theirs, uh, as declared by their dad one night when he was drunk. So uh, they had a reunion because one of the twins came back to Minnesota. And so uh, he's back, and they had kind of a, a reunion thing. And uh, isn't that nice? So uh, they invited me over, and I got to go there, and I got to eat hot dogs, and sit around and chat, and so one of the things we like to do with each other is uh, make fun of each other. Make fun of how we look, uh, how we talk, uh, decisions in our lives, uh, what our kids are like, and we just go back and forth and back and forth. And uh, it involves a lot of shouting. It's called uh, 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 doing the numbers, I think is what it was once called a long time ago, when you just sit around making fun of your friends, and it's all good-natured, and uh, everyone enjoys it. But because of all the shouting, I think my voice is a little hoarse now, so I probably don't sound my best. As if these podcasts are some sort of example of a beautiful performance voice, but still, uh, I think I'm going to sound more grovelly and gross than I normally sound. But I had a good night, and uh, it was a nice little break. Oh, I get to feel like a normal human being. I have to shower like crazy and wash all the disease off me, but still... Even in the midst of a pandemic, a man can feel like a man again, which is how I feel right now. So, uh, with that, uh, let's dive into uh, the next couple chapters of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Let's learn a little bit about our author. Uh, did you know from yourdictionary.com that Twain often drew from his life in his writings? That was boring. Let's read another one. 
His first book, uh, The Innocents Abroad, was published in 1869. Uh, just boring. Let's go back to John F. Kennedy from whatthefact.com. Uh, ooh, this is good. Number eight, Death Cause. On November 22nd, 1963, Kennedy was shot in the throat, in the upper back and in the head, which led to his death. Well, that's exciting. Uh, Kennedy fact number nine, most visited grave. Another interesting fact about John F. Kennedy is that his body was buried in 20 by 30 foot small plot in Arlington National Cemetery on November 22nd, 1963. And it's interesting to know that over a period of three years' time, period, that is, period, from 1964 to 66, around 16 million people visited his grave. Well, that's exciting. So, with that, let's dive into the next couple chapters of this book. Chapter 19 Tom arrived at home, oh, in a dreary mood. And the first thing his aunt said to him showed him that he had brought his sorrows to an unpromising market. Tom, I have a notion to skin you alive. Ah, auntie, what have I done? Well, you've done enough. Here I go over to Sirene Harpy Harper, like an old softy, expecting I'm going to make her believe all that rubbish about that dream, when lo and behold, you, she'd found out from Joe that you was over here and heard all the talk that we talked that night. Tom, I don't know what is to become of a boy that will act like that. It makes me feel so bad to think you could let me go to Sirene Harper and make such a fool of myself and never say a word. Ah, there was a new aspect of the thing. His smartness of the morning had seemed to Tom a good joke before and very ingenious, ingenuous, ingenious. Oh boy, this is going to be a long night. It merely looked mean and shabby now. He hung his head and could not think of anything to say for the moment. Then he said, Auntie, I wish I hadn't done it, but I didn't think. Oh, child, you never think. You never think of anything but your own selfishness. You could think to come to all the way over here from Jackson's Island in the night and laugh at her troubles. And you could think to fool me with a lie about a dream, but you couldn't ever think to pity us and save us from sorrow. Auntie, I know now it was mean, but I didn't mean it to be mean. I, I didn't, honest. And besides, I didn't come over here to laugh at you that night. And what'd you come over for that? It was to tell you not to be uneasy about us, because we hadn't got drowned. Tom, Tom, I wouldn't be the thankfulest soul in this world if I could believe you had ever had a good thought as that, but you know you never did, and I know it, Tom. Ah, indeed, and indeed I did, Auntie. I wish I may never stir if I didn't. Oh, Tom, don't lie. Don't do it. It only makes things a hundred times worse. It ain't a lie, Auntie. It's the truth. I wanted to keep you from grieving. That was all that made me come. I'd give the whole world to believe that. I would cover up a power of sins, Tom. Uh, it'd be most glad if you'd run off and acted so bad, but it ain't reasonable, because why didn't you tell me, child? Why, you see, when you got to talking about the funeral... I just got all full of the idea of our coming and hiding in the church, and I couldn't somehow bear to spoil it. So I just put the bark back in my pocket and kept mum. Yeah, what bark? 
Oh, the bark I wrote on to tell you you'd gone pirating. I wish now you'd waked up when I kissed you. I do honest. The hard line in Zaunt's face relaxed, and sudden tenderness dawned upon her eyes. Uh, did you kiss me, Tom? Oh, why, yes, I did. Are, are you sure you did, Tom? Oh, yes, I did, Auntie. I'm certain I'm sure. Uh, what'd you kiss me for, Tom? Because I loved you so. And you lay there moaning, and I was so sorry. The words sounded like truth. The old lady could not hide a tremor in her voice when she said, Oh, God, kiss me again, Tom, and <laughs> I'll be off with you to school now, and don't bother me anymore. The money is gone. She ran to a closet and got out the ruin of a jacket which Tom had been gone pirating in, and then she stopped with it in her hand and said to herself, Oh, no, I don't dare, poor boy. I reckon he's lied about it. But it's a blessed, blessed lie. There's such a comfort to come from it. I hope the Lord, I, I know the Lord will forgive him because there's such a good heartedness in it to tell it. But I don't want to find out it's a lie. I won't look. She put the jacket away and stood by, musing a minute. Twice she put out her hand and to take the garment again, and twice she refrained. Once more she ventured, and this time she fortified herself with the thought, Oh, it's a good lie. Oh, it's a good lie. I won't let it grieve me. So she sought the jacket pocket. A moment later, she was reading Tom's piece of bark through the flowing tears and saying, I could forgive the boy now if he'd committed a million sins. Oh, well, that's a short chapter. Well, on to chapter 20. There was something about Aunt Polly's manner when she kissed Tom that swept away his low spirits and made him lighthearted and happy again. He started to school and had the luck of coming upon Becky Thatcher at the head of the meadow lane. His mood always determined his manner. Without a moment's hesitation, he ran to her and said, I acted mighty and mean today, Becky, and I am so sorry. I won't ever, ever do that way again as long as I ever live. Uh, please make, uh, make up, won't you? The other girl stopped and looked him scornfully in the face. I'll thank you to keep to yourself, Mr. Thomas Sawyer. I'll never speak to you again. She tossed her head and passed on. Tom was so stunned that uh, he had never even presence of mind to say, Who cares, Miss Smarty? Until the uh, right time to say it had gone by, so he said, he said nothing. But he was a, in a fine rage, nevertheless. He moped in the schoolyard wishing she were a boy and imagining how he would trounce her if she were. He presently encountered her and delivered a stinging remark as he passed. She hurled in one return, and the angry breach was complete. It seemed to Becky, in her hot resentment, uh, that she could hardly wait for school to take in. She was so impatient to see Tom flogged for the injured spelling book. If she had had... Oh, that again, two heads in a row. If she had had any lingering notion of exposing Alfred Temple, Tom's offensive fling had driven it entirely away. Poor girl! She did not know how fast she was nearing trouble herself. Uh, the master, Mr. Dobbins, had reached middle age with his unsatisfied ambition. The darling of his desires was to be a doctor. But poverty had decreed that he should be uh, nothing higher than a village schoolmaster. Every day he took a mysterious book out of his desk and absorbed himself in it at times when no classes were reciting. He kept that book under lock and key, and there was not an urchin in school, but he was perishing to have a glimpse of it. Uh, but the chance never came. Every boy and every girl had a theory about the nature of that book, but no two theories were alike. 
and there was no way of getting the facts of the case. Now, Becky was passing by the desk, which stood near the door. Ah, she noticed that the key was in the lock! Exclamation point. It was a precious moment. She glanced around and found herself alone. In the next instant, she had the book in her hands. The title page? Professor Somebody's Anatomy. Carried no information to her mind, so she began to turn the leaves. She gave it once to a handsomely engraved and colored frontispiece. 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 Well, let's look that up. An illustration facing the title page of a book. Eh, well, that was boring. A human figure. Oh, stark naked. At that moment, a shadow fell on the page, and Tom Sawyer stepped in at the door and caught a glimpse of the picture. Uh, Becky snatched at the book to close it, and had the hard luck to tear the picture page half down the middle. Oh, she thrust the volume into the desk and turned the key, and burst out crying with shame and vexation. Tom Sawyer, you are just as mean as you can be to sneak up on a person and look at what they're looking at. How could I know what you were looking at? Anything. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Tom Sawyer. You, you know you're going to tell on me, and oh, what shall I do? What shall I do? I'll be whipped. And I never was whipped in school. Then she stamped her little foot and said, Be so mean, if you want to, exclamation point. I know something that's going to happen. You just wait, and you'll see. Hateful, hateful, hateful. And she flung out of the house with a new exposition of crying. Tom! Stood still, rather, uh, flustered by his onslaught, presently said to himself, what a curious kind of fool a girl is. Never been licked in school? Shucks. Yeah, what's a licking? It's just like a girl that's so thin-skinned and chicken-hearted. Well, of course I ain't going to tell old Dobbins on this little fool, because there's other ways of getting even on her. Uh, that ain't so mean. Eh, but what of it? Old Dobbins will ask who it was that tore his book, and nobody will answer, and he'll just do the way he always does. At first ask one, then t'other. And when he comes to the right girl, he'll know it, without any telling. Oh, girls' faces always tell on them. They ain't got any backbone. Oh, she'll get licked. Well, it's a kind of tight place for Becky Thatcher, because there ain't a, any way out of it. Tom conned the thing a moment longer, and then added, All right, though. She'd like to see me in just such a fix. Uh, let her sweat it out. Tom joined the mob of skylarking school year scholars outside. In a few moments, the master arrived and school, quote, took in. Tom did not feel a strong interest in his studies. Uh, every time he stole a glance at the girl's side of the room, Becky's face troubled him. Considering all things, he did not want to pity her, and yet it was all he could do to help her. He could get up to no exultation that was really worthy of the name. Presently, the spelling book delivery was made, and Tom's mind was entirely full of his own matters for a while after that. Becky roused up from her lethargy of distress and showed good interest and proceedings. She did not expect that Tom could get out of his trouble by denying that he split the ink on the book himself, and she was right. The denial only seemed to make things worse for Tom. Becky supposed she could be glad of that, and she tried to believe she was glad of it, but she found she was not certain. When the worst came to the worst, and she had an impulse to get up and tell on Alfred Temple, she made an effort and forced herself to keep still, because, she said to herself, he'll tell about me tearing the picture for sure. I wouldn't say a word not to save his life. Tom took his whipping and went back to his seat, 
not all brokenhearted, for he thought it was possible that he had unknowingly upset the ink on the spelling book himself in some skylarking about. He had denied it for, his, uh, for its form's sake, and uh, because it was custom, he had stuck to the denial from principle. A whole hour drifted by. Ah, the master sat nodding in his throne, and the air was drowsy with a hum of study. Oh, by and by, Mr. Tobin straightened himself up. He yawned and unlocked his desk and reached for his book. But it seemed undecided whether to take it out or leave it. Most of the pupils glanced up languidly. But there were two among them that watched his movements with intent eyes. Mr. Dobbins fingered his book absently for a while and then took it out and settled himself in his chair to read. Oh, Tom shot a glance at Becky. She had seen a haunted and helpless rabbit look as she did with the gun leveled at his head. Instantly, he forgot his quarrel with her. Quick! Something must be done. Done in a flash, too. This is where my voice is uh, falling apart. But the very imminence of the emergency paralyzed his invention. Good! He had an inspiration. He would run and snatch the book, spring through the door, and fly. But his resolution uh, shook for one little instant. And the chance was lost. Uh, the master opened the volume. And if Tom had the wasted opportunity back again, ah, uh, too late. There's no help for Becky now, he said. The next moment, the master faced the school. And every eye sank under his gaze. There was that in which smote even the innocent with fear. There was silence. While one might count ten, the master was gathering his wrath. Then he spoke. Eh, eh who tore this book? There was not a sound. One could have heard a pin drop, though the stillness continued. The master searched face after face for signs of guilt. Benjamin Rogers, did you tear this book? A denial. Another pause. Joseph Harper, uh, did you? Another denial. Tom's unceasingness grew more and more intense under the slow torture of these proceedings. The master scanned the ranks of the boys and considered a while, then turned to the girls. Yeah, Amy Lawrence... A shake of the head. Gracie Miller? Ah, the same sign. Susan Harper, did you do this? Another negative. The next girl was Becky Thatcher. Tom was trembling from head to foot with excitement and a sense of hopelessness of the situation. Rebecca Thatcher! Tom glanced at her face. It was white with terror. Did you tear? No. Look me in the face. Her hands rose in appeal. Did you tear this book? A thought shot like lightning through Tom's brain. He sprang to his feet, and he shouted, I uh, done it. The school started in perplexity. At this incredible folly, Tom stood a moment to gather his dismembered faculties, and when he stepped forward to go to his punishment, the surprise, uh, the gratitude, and the adoration that shone upon him out of poor Becky's eyes seemed to pay enough for a hundred floggings. Inspired by the splendor of his own act, he took without an outcry the most merciless flaying that had ever Mr. Dobbins had administered, and also received with indifference the added cruelty of a command to remain two hours after school should be dismissed. Oh, for he, he knew who would wait for him outside until his captivity is done, and not count the tedious time as loss either. Tom went to bed that night planning vengeance against Alfred Temple. For, with the shame and repentance, Becky had uh, told him all, not forgetting her own treachery. But even the longing for vengeance had to give way soon to pleasanter musings, and he fell asleep at last with Becky's last words lingering dreamily in his ear. 
Tom, how could you be so noble? Short and punchy, short and punchy. Oh, I love how Mark Twain writes us. All the chapters are so short and concise. A 20-minute long episode here because uh, beautiful short chapters. Well, what did we learn from this? We learned that uh, Tom is a liar with a heart of gold. Yeah, he lies, but his aunt learns to love him anyways. Why? Because, ugh. He'll, he'll kiss her on the lips, which is kind of weird. Like, I haven't kissed my kids. I have two daughters. I haven't kissed them on the lips in I don't even know how many years. You just kind of reach a point where they're too old to do that. It's just weird. But, uh, he does it. And boy, his aunt loves him. So, he's a liar with a heart of gold. And then, he's a nobleman because Becky Thatcher is in trouble for trying to look at nudes from the teacher's book at school. And she ripped a page, and so he's going to take the fall for her and gets a whipping and has to stay after for two hours after class. Uh, noble, noble, he's had a good night. Uh, he goes to bed thinking about how it's been a great day. How do I tie this in with what I said? Uh, well, I had a good day. And uh, I guess I'll go to go to bed tonight thinking sweetly and softly of how people made fun of me now that I hung out with, but in a good-hearted manner. Uh, doesn't really seem the same, but I didn't really produce any kind of major sacrifice to have these good feelings, but uh, I have them nonetheless. So, kind of a dud as far as that goes, but uh, cute story nonetheless. And so I will uh, be recording again later this week. Uh, thanks for listening.